to Shtetl on the Shortwave on CKUT 90.3 FM. I'm your host, Tamara Kramer, and Shtetl is a Yiddish word that means small town or village, and it also means community. Shtetl on the Shortwave is a radio show about Jewish arts and culture in Montreal. Stay tuned. Today we have a pre-Passover special for you. I believe in the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost, and I believe in Lager. Cigarettes and dope, yeah, I believe I believe, I believe in love And you believe in your prophet And you believe in your pope And you believe in your guru And I believe and hope that you believe That I believe that you believe in love Cause I believe in anything If I believe that you believe in love I believe Welcome to Shtetl on the Shortwave on CKUT. This is April 1st, and we have a really great show lined up for you today. Passover is coming upon us very, very soon. And Passover, it's full of ritual. It's a very lively holiday where people can really get involved and participate. And this year in Montreal, like every year, there are going to be tons and tons of events to go to. There's so many seders in the city. There's a feminist seder, women's seder. Last year, we spoke with Rabbi Bressinger of Project Pride about a seder he did called the Sober Seder for people in uh, recovery, recovering from addiction. It's, of course, it's always fun to go to a Seder at your friends or family's home. And this year, there's something quite unique happening in the city, though. It's called The Medium is the Matzah. And we're going to be hearing from the artist, Melissa Schiff, who is the creator of this installation project that is going to be going up at Concordia University. It's happening between April 10th and May 1st. And it's it's hard to describe, and I'm going to let her describe it, but basically it's a huge installation made of over 5,000 pieces of matzah. If you want to find out more about the installation after hearing from Melissa, go to her website, melissashift.com, and all the information is there. There are a whole bunch of events happening inside this installation. Uh, there's a music concert with so-called. He's going to be performing the so-called Seder. There's going to be film screenings and talks, but I'm going to let Melissa actually describe what this is all about for you. Well, first I should thank the Jewish 
Community Foundation of Montreal because with a grant from the foundation, they made it possible for this installation to live again. I created it in the first, first time round for a show in New York City in 2005. What it is, is essentially a three-dimensional Haggadah. A Haggadah is the ritual text that Jews read at their Passover Seder. It's the story of the exodus of, of the Israelites from bondage, from uh, bondage in Egypt to liberation. At all seders, you read the ritual text called the Haggadah that recounts this story from slavery to, to uh, out of bondage right. uh, to liberation. And so as a visual artist, I translated it into visual means. So it's a multimedia, multisensorial, three-dimensional installation that consists of 5,480 pieces of matzah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, all donated by Manischewitz. So every, every wall is covered with matzah, and then the floor is covered with my pressure-pression matzah pillows. So as you walk through the installation, you, you first remove your shoes and then you walk on top of these pillows, which are all silk screened with a piece of matzah on it that have the words crush oppression. And as you walk, you're, you crunch through the, the installation because some of them are booby trapped with actual pieces of matzah. So you, you start off in the 10 plague space. Okay. And uh, you hear an audio track and you watch a video of the ancient plagues that befell the Egyptians uh, because God was punishing them for keeping the Jews enslaved. And so th these, the visuals come up on, on small LCD screens and uh, you see this uh, rapid fire montage of, of the ancient plagues. And then you hear an audio track of the uh, ancient plagues, and then I update things and uh, I list current plagues that need to be abolished. Well, like homelessness, hunger, uh, rape of nature, uh, unbridled profit motive, AIDS. So in all, like in all of my reinvented rituals, I try to um, to update and contemporize things, so to move things into uh, the current day. Okay. and to get people to think about rituals not only as transmissions of identity and but also as as vehicles for action and activism so 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 once you 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 go through the 10 plagues space then you you turn the corner and you enter the matzah mitzrayim tunnel mitzrayim is hebrew for egypt exactly and um so you go through this narrow, confined space, and then you leave this, this space, and this space is supposed to be symbolic of oppression and slavery and the, the space where the slaves dwelt. And, um, and then you, you leave Mitzrayim by walking out of the tunnel, and suddenly you, you see yourself being inserted into Cecil B. DeMille's movie, The Ten Commandments. So I've taken um, a short clip from the movie, um, okay. and, uh, and I've looped that and set up a live camera and a video mixing board, and the camera captures your image in real time, so you can be walking, and you, your image is then inserted through the video mixing board into the film, and there's an effect, like a blue screen effect, so that it isolates just your image, and it, it inserts you into the film right where the 
the Israelites are crossing the Red Sea. You get to enact the injunction that's found in the Haggadah that the, each generation should feel as though they're leaving Egypt. So I'm actually instituting this injunction and, uh, and doing so in a pop, kitschy way. <laughs> <laughs> What are some of the other rooms that people can, can go into, and how do you hope that they're going to interact with these, these rooms in your installation? So, well, once you, you leave Egypt and cross the Red Sea, then you, then you get to um, uh, jump into a sea of 400 pillows in the Elijah Lounge. And uh, these spaces are called the liberation spaces. So at a Passover Seder, one is supposed to recline uh, the posture um, of reclining is supposed to symbolize freedom. And so I've uh, elaborated on that, and I invite the viewers to recline on this sea of 400 pillows. Again, also screened with matzah, an image of matzah with the words crush oppression. And they can view the video imagery that's inset into the fireplace of endless doors opening, so that's a uh, nod to Elijah. Okay. Um, because at a Seder, we're supposed to go to the front door and open our door to Elijah, who, who I like to think of as a harbinger of a, of a better world. And so I make the link between Elijah and hospitality and, and also um, social action and activism. Um, so I like to open the door to anyone who wants to come into this installation. And then there's also uh, a Miriam bar. Okay. Uh, where you can quench your thirst. This is my effort to uh, bring Miriam to the table, and uh, feminist satyrs have uh, instituted this uh, beginning in the 70s, where they, they started to uh, put a Miriam cup on, a, on the satyr table. So instead of a cup, I have a bar <laughs> where you can have uh, water and wine at, at special events. Okay, because normally there's Elijah's cup at the Seder. Uh, there's right. a cup of wine left for Elijah, this mm -hmm. harbinger of peace and messianism. But yeah. in this case, it's a cup to symbolize what Miriam, Moses' sister, brought on this journey of freedom. Exactly. And so talking about feminism and, and the different types of oppression that you bring up when you talk about the plagues, mm. Is this year a particularly poignant year for doing the medium as the matzah, considering what's been going on in Egypt itself? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it's very timely. And in fact, I, I would have liked to have a program dedicated to, you know, liberation in Egypt, given the parallels of um, the Passover story. I was trying to put that together. It hasn't materialized, but, um, you know, maybe if someone hears this program and would like to, to uh, do something, it's not too late. Um, but I'm using the installation as the framework and the forum to program various events in the space, uh, cultural events that are purely celebratory and other events that are more serious and take on subject matter of current day impression and one of them is a film screening of Strangers No More which won um, an Academy Award for Best Documentary Short and it's about uh, African asylum seekers in Israel. Okay. So that will take place on April 17th. So we're going to screen it inside the space, and all the events are going to happen inside the space. Where does it happen in the space? Like in what area of the 
in the Elijah Lounge and the Miriam Bar. So um, it can accommodate up to 70 people. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's a pretty big space. And then um, another event that I'm really excited about is uh, that we were able to bring up a Passover activist pioneer, Rabbi Arthur Waskow, who's been a huge inspiration for me uh, for many years. Um, I I invited him to participate in my Times Square Seder featuring the Matzah Ball Soup Kitchen in 2002. Okay, nice. That was a Passover happening, so it was a one-night gig. And um, he he expounded on the meaning of the Afikomen and... um, and linked it to social action and the need to share and to uh, invite strangers to your your Passover Seder. Um, so he's he's going to be speaking about his his new book, uh, Freedom Journeys. And I would imagine that, given his his interest in uh, timely events, that he'll he'll make the links between uh, what's happening in Egypt now and uh, and Paso and the ancient uh, Passover story. So that's really exciting. The kickoff event is uh, Josh Dolgan is going to perform his so-called Seder, okay, and uh, he rarely really performs this material anymore. But I thought that it was perfect. Um, Perfect to uh, invite him to, to, to perform this um, because he'll be surrounded by matzah and he'll get to he'll get to sing in the Red Sea. That's also a ticketed event and uh, there's limited seating because everything, of course, is inside the installation. So, so that, uh, and that's on April 10th. The venue for the exhibition is at Concordia University in the main library building, and uh, it's in the atrium. We're building a gallery in the atrium space, and that. 1400 uh, de Maisonneuve West. We open on April 10th and the show runs until May the 1st. That was Toronto artist Melissa Schiff. In addition to being an installation artist, Melissa Schiff is also an adjunct professor in the Department of Jewish Studies at the University of Toronto. And she's a very interesting woman, in my opinion. She has a really interesting take on ritual and how to bring it alive today. And sometimes I think her opinions or her way of doing things might be controversial, pushing uh, boundaries a little bit, uh, but I think she really brings something interesting to the discussion of Jewish culture, Jewish practice, ritual, and how how it can be meaningful for people who might be estranged from it, or even for people who, who just want a fresh perspective on it. So we're going to take a little break, and considering that it's Passover time coming up soon, and that Josh Dolgan is going to be performing the so-called Seder Inside, the medium is the matzah. I figured it was a really good excuse to play a classic from Josh Dolgan's The So-Called Seder. This is Who Knows One. A little different than the usual, but take a listen. A different song now, this time from the Passover service, the Haggadah, but with a new twist. (laughs) 
Sly with samples like Fox, and I know six bosses with unbeatable boxes. I got seven flyer boys who are fighting head to head, and I know eight promoters who want each other dead.
AUT is throwing down their annual spring music sale on Wednesday, April 6th. Come to James Square on the McGill campus between 11 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. and check out the cheap deals on music. The Midnight Kitchen will be on site offering up a free or by donation meal. The James Square is located just west of the Milton Gates between the McConnell and James Edmund buildings. That's CKUT's spring music sale on Wednesday, April 6th from 11 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. Check out ckut.ca for more information. When Moses ascended Mount Sinai, he went to hear God's word. When the prophet descended, he came carrying tablets inscribed with God's will. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt be fruitful and multiply. Thou shall listen to Shettle on the Shortwave on CKUT 90.3 FM. help but laugh every time I hear that shtetl station ID. I don't play it very often. Um, I made it at, like when I first started doing the radio show almost three years ago and the voice of God in the show is Cédric Jamais. That's my um, my sister's partner and I I, uh, I hope he's honored that I asked him to play the role of God. Uh, I just want to give a little bit of credit to some of the music that I've been playing so far. At the beginning of the show I've started opening up um, with the song called I Believe and that's by The Real Tuesday Weld. They're a band out of London and the song is off of their album The London Book of the Dead and I've really grown to love that song, I Believe. I also played a couple of songs from the Anachronic or Electric Orchestra. They are um, a band that I've just discovered anachronic electro orchestra out of France and they mix all kinds of things into their music including uh, tango which is a love of mine so I'm going to play a little bit more of them later off of their new album Speak with Ghosts they actually contacted me they heard about Stettel I don't know how and they sent me a CD and so I'm so excited to to get to be learning about Jewish music and what's happening around the world so that's anachronic electro orchestra Speak with Ghosts and we're going to be hearing a little bit more from uh, the so-called Seder towards the end of the show and also from Rabbi Arthur Waskow. We're going to hear the interview that I did with him yesterday in Philadelphia from the Shalom Center, which he started. And he is a legendary rabbi. And as Melissa said in the first clip, he's really a pioneer in Jewish activism, but in particular in Passover activism. So stay tuned for the second half of the show, because we're going to hear about this uh, historical freedom seder that he did in 1969. But for now, we're going to go back to Melissa and the medium is the matzah. And she's going to tell us a little bit more about the philosophy behind it 
what goes into putting up such a structure and a little bit more about what's going to be happening inside. If you want information on the medium is the matzah, you can find it all at my website. It's shtetlmontreal.com. You can find out about how to get tickets to the events inside the so-called Seder to the live interview that I'll be doing with Rabbi Waskow, which I'm so honored to be doing. And that's on April 24th. There's going to be the opening night. And of course, you can just go and visit uh, visit the installation and, and hang out and check it out and and walk on those crush oppression matzah pillows but be prepared to take off your shoes so you can find out about that and about all kinds of things that are happening uh, in the city and in jewish arts and culture that's at shtetlmontreal.com and this is melissa Sch- what are some of the challenges around creating this the challenges are trying to get a volunteer uh, team together um, to to build the the installation, and uh, we put a lot of calls out, and we have a great team. And I want to thank the volunteers for doing this. It's it, this couldn't happen without them, and we can always use more volunteers. So, if you want to get in touch with me, um, you can reach me at melissa at melissashift dot com. That's uh, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-S-H-I-F-F. Okay, so Melissa at MelissaShift.com. If people want to help to do what? Um, to actually build the installation, put the mats up. Okay. That'll be happening on from April 4th to April 9th. And then I'm also looking for gallery attendants, volunteers to do some gallery attendant work. Okay. And then I have to plug uh, the Jap Shopper uh, corner. So the final... The final piece of the installation mm-hmm. is a um, an activist store. Um, I have an online store called Jap uh, Jewish Art Products. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've uh, taken back the epithet and um, and given it a new given it a new spin. So um, I donate part of the proceeds from the sale of the pillows to a charity. So 18% of the profits from the sale of the pillows in the installation uh, will be donated to charity. I'd like uh, people to come into the installation and walk away with a piece of it. So you can use the pillows uh, to recline upon at your Seder. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also, I've also come out with a new line of matzah covers. And I also recycle all of the uh, empty matzah boxes that are used uh, um, to build the installation. So there'll be over 300 empty matzo boxes, and I stuff all the matzo boxes with a mini crush oppression pillow. Okay. And then you get um, literature uh, to add to your Haggadah um, on the tradition of Passover activism. So it's a kit that you can use at your own Seder? Exactly. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, called my Jap Activist Kit. so i want to ask you why it is that you were inspired to do this like it's a pretty big undertaking what is it about passover that inspired you to really want to take it to the next level and do such an intense installation um well i was trained at the museum school in boston uh and uh my love of installation art is part of the reason why I do these elaborate uh, projects. I find installation art very compelling because you're surrounded by medium, all different mediums, and in that way it, it's very uh, effective. Um, it's 
not like a single channel video or a painting um, where you're, you know, you can sort of separate yourself from the art. You become part of the art mm-hmm. um, because you're crunching through it. It's tactile, um, it's visual, it's audio. Um, so it's everything. And I find that that form the most effective form that I've experienced as a you know, as, as a visitor to uh, galleries and such. Uh, so that that's why I work in this, this form. And the reason why I tackle Jewish subject matter is that I find ritual, uh, in particular, uh, fascinating because it's, um, it's the first instance of performance art. So looking at it uh, through the lens of performance art um, gives you another way in. And um, as an artist, it gives me license to create alterations to it and adjustments to it. So, yeah, so so that's that's one reason. And also I find ritual... As a, as a form, a little uh, frustrating because, as Beckett says, habit is a great deadener. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I want to make rituals come alive again. You know, we, we sit at our Passover Seder, and uh, year after year we talk about the need to um, abolish oppression and to liberate people of the world. You know, I mean, and, and so it's, it's very um, ripe for for thinking about uh, contemporary oppression. But very few people actually move from the Seder table to, um, to become activists. So my job is to sort of reanimate the ritual, to, to get people out of their comfort zones, out of the house, and um, into the streets or the gallery, and to think about uh, ritual as the potential to activate and to, to change the world. So. I'm yeah. inspired. I'm totally inspired. <laughs> the, I mean, Passover, I think, out of all the rituals and all the holidays that in the Jewish tradition is the most, has the most potential to be alive. You can right. retell the story in so many different ways. Exactly. And it's true that we don't always take advantage of that. And that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. But you're right that I think that this is like, if there's an, ever a holiday that was, was perfect for like reinventing ritual or this is definitely it. So I'm just curious at your Passover Seder, what is it like, like in your, in your family Passover Seder, do you use the crush oppression kit? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I, I've drawn on Rabbi Waskow's rainbow Seder for years. Um, we do sort of a compilation of Haggadahs. Um, so, Haggadahs you know, there's, you? there's everything from, you know, the feminist Haggadah to Waska's Haggadah and, uh, and, um, you know, uh, secular humanist Haggadah, um, and the Sarajevo Haggadah, you know, there's, there, that's the thing. I mean, you're right. Um, that the, there's a reason why, uh, pe- there's so many Haggadahs in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is very, you know, ripe for reinterpretation. Yes. So what okay. I'm doing is in that tradition of reinterpreting it. Mm-hmm. So I'm. It's really not such a departure. I think that the the departure is the form, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like I'm I'm making it three dimensional and and creating an art piece out of it. 
<clears throat> Very interesting. Uh, the medium is the matza. That was artist Melissa Schiff, and she's going to be coming into town and with her volunteer crew is going to be putting up this incredible installation at Concordia University. And I I personally can't wait to see the evolution of it uh, from day one to, to when it's finally put up, how it, how it transforms. Well, first of all, how it transforms the atrium at uh, in the library building at Concordia and just, just the process of watching it go up and putting up all that matzah. So we're going to take a little break right now and we're going to hear from the band that I was telling you about before, Anachronic Electro Orchestra. Their album, Speak With Ghosts, just came out and the song that we're going to hear is called Why Is It Funny? And there's samples on there from uh, music by David Krakauer, Naftuli's Nusach, and uh, there's trombone by Olivier Sabatier, trompette by Edouard Chaiz, and saxophone by Frédéric Monnier. They're a band out of Toulouse. So take a listen. This is Anachronic Electro Orchestra.
So that was Anachronic Electro Orchestra, Speak With Ghosts, and uh, I love how they mix in tango with Jewish music. Uh, perfect, perfect mix. Hip-hop, tango, Jewish music. There's so many cool things happening in this world with Jewish music, and I feel like we're just scratching the surface here at Shtetl, and I'm really, really excited about that. Excited to find out what else people are doing out there that we don't know about yet. So hopefully we'll find out and bring it to you on the show. Uh, so in this second half of Shtetl, I'm so honored and excited to be playing an interview that I did yesterday with Rabbi Waskow of the Shalom Center. Waskow is a leading figure in the Jewish world today. He was voted in 2007 by Newsweek as one of the 50 most influential rabbis in America. He's a leader of the Jewish renewal movement. He was ordained a rabbi in 1995 by very uh, non-conventional Beit Din. I think there was a rabbi who was originally from the Hasidic movement, Rabbi Zalman Shalomi Shachter. There was a conservative rabbi, reform rabbi, and a feminist theologian who wasn't even a rabbi. And together they uh, worked with Rabbi Waskow, who at the time was not a rabbi, for five years, giving him reading and going through the process of becoming a non-traditional rabbi with him. Five years of study and um, talking and engaging and until they all agreed that he was ready to be to be a rabbi and he's taught at their Reconstructionist rabbinical school. He's a leading figure in activism. He's been He's been fighting against what he calls the plagues of today, uh, whether it be war or environmental degradation, hatred. He's extremely involved in bridging the gap between the Jewish, Muslim, and Christian worlds. And the exciting thing is he's coming to Montreal on April 24th, and he's going to be speaking inside The Medium is the Matzah about his new book that he wrote with his wife, who is also a rabbi, Phyllis Berman. The book is called Freedom Journeys, the tale of exodus and wilderness across millennia. I think it promises to be an extremely interesting talk, and I'm so thrilled that I'm going to be getting to engage with him in front of a live audience and also getting questions from the audience, too, and, and having people in the public interact with this really legendary man who we're, we're so um, blessed to have coming to Montreal. It's very exciting. So I just wanted to give listeners a little taste because he will be here and he will be speaking in depth, but I wanted people to know a bit about Rabbi Waskow's history. So I asked him to tell us about this historical Seder that he was part of in 1969. So take a listen. This is Rabbi Arthur Waskow. Go down, Moses, way down 
March the 31st, 1968, I was uh, an activist in civil rights and uh, opposition to the Vietnam War, and I was uh, only casually interested in the fact that I was Jewish. The only piece of Jewish practice I had kept as a grown-up was the Passover Seder celebrating uh, freedom from the ancient Pharaoh. Okay, that's March the 31st. That afternoon, in fact, President Lyndon Johnson announced he would not run for re-election. It seemed we had succeeded in beginning to bring an end to the Vietnam War. Just several days later, on April the 4th, Martin Luther King was murdered. And on April the 5th, all over America, black communities exploded, including the black community of Washington, D.C., which is where I was living. President Johnson sent the army to occupy the city of Washington, the capital city of the United States. And I really mean occupy, and impose this curfew, which in theory applied to everybody, but in fact, the police ignored uh, whites who were on the streets. More than 10,000 blacks were arrested just for being on the streets. As a civil rights and anti-war activist, I worked with others to get food and medical supplies and doctors and lawyers into the black community, which otherwise was totally cut off. And that's what I did night and day. A week after Dr. King was killed came the first night of Passover. And I walked home to get ready to do the Seder. But that meant walking past the United States Army Mm -hmm. with a jeep with a machine gun pointed at the block I lived on. And suddenly their presence and Dr. King's last speech the night before he was killed, he said, I'm standing on the mountaintop looking into the promised land. I may not get there, but the people will. That was a direct reference to Moses in his last days, according to the Torah. Mm -hmm. And I had learned Southern black freedom songs like, go down Moses way down in Egypt land, tell all Pharaoh, let my people go. I had learned those songs from activists in the civil rights movement in the South. And suddenly all that and the army on the streets came together like a volcano of energy. And I found my insides, my guts, more than my brain, saying, this is Pharaoh's army on the streets, and I'm going home to celebrate liberation from Pharaoh. What does that mean? Now in Israel was in Egypt land. Let my people go. Oppressed so hard they could not stand. Let my people go. So the Lord said, go down. Go down. Moses. Moses. Way way down. Down in Egypt land. Let my people go. Let my people go. And for the first time in my life, really, the Seder became utterly real. It felt as if the streets were in the Seder and the Seder were on the streets. There is a passage in the service for the Seder, it's called the Haggadah, uh, which says, in every generation, we must look upon ourselves as if we ourselves, not just our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandparents, come forth from slavery. And I had read that line and gone right on. But that night, that line was like, oh, right. 
during the next year, I found myself, you know, sort of fixated on what that experience had meant for me. And I ended up sitting down with the copy of the Haggadah, the service for Seder that I was given when I was 13 years old and became Bar Mitzvah in one hand, and passages from Dr. King, from the slave rebellions of the 1830s and 40s, from the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising of 1942, in the other hand, and I wove the left-hand quotations into the traditional Haggadah. Mm-hmm. And so there emerged a, a Haggadah that was not only about the liberation of the ancient Israelites from Pharaoh, but about many liberations, especially Black America, but also the Vietnamese people and so on. People came to me and said, look, it's all very well to have this on paper, but what about actually doing this Seder? And we arranged for it to be carried out in the basement of a black church in the heart of Washington on the first anniversary of Dr. King's death, April the 4th, 1969, uh, with about 800 people, half of them Jewish, the other half partly black Christians and partly white Christians, a kind of incredible mixture, energized, uh, excited, intense, focused, and I discovered there were actually thousands of mostly, but not entirely, young Jews all across the U.S. who were interested. And by the way, I should say, not just the U.S., the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation actually filmed this Seder, and a few days later uh, broadcast an hour-long version of it all across Canada. Wow. When I had been working on the text of this strange Haggadah, some of the people I told about it said, that's wonderful, Wasco. And some of them said, that's crazy. Nobody can write a Haggadah. There is a Haggadah. Nobody can write a new one. And so I finally asked a young rabbi in Washington to look at it and tell me whether he thought it was crazy or sensible. And he agreed to read it and then called me up and said, Wasco, it's a midrash on the Haggadah, and it's such an activist midrash, I wonder if you know the story from the rabbi's midrash that God wouldn't split the Red Sea till one Israelite walked in up to his nose, ready to drown. He had to be committed to act. So he said, I wonder if you know that midrash. And I said, what's a midrash? It means taking what you might call the open spaces in the biblical text and Mm -hmm. filling them in with new stories. Uh, The ancient rabbi said that the Torah was not written in black ink on white parchment. It was written in black fire on white fire. And you had to learn to read the white fire, which means the open spaces. And that's what Midrash is. So I was just delighted at the idea that you could take a 3,500-year-old text, give it a kind of a twirl, and it would come out somewhere new. And I was especially excited that, as this young rabbi told me, I was doing exactly the same thing that the ancient rabbis had done. I had taken the text of the Haggadah, given it a twirl, and it was coming out somewhere new. So that's the story of how the Seder emerged. The most recent thing I've been doing, in fact, is together with my wife, who's also a rabbi, Phyllis Berman, question, what does it mean for our own lives today? For example, in the ancient story, 
every time Pharaoh tries to oppress the Israelites, there's a plague. And the way I was taught the plagues in Sunday school, you could imagine a kind of super Pharaoh in the sky doing magic to impose these plagues. The water becomes undrinkable, there's an overwhelming swarm of locusts, and then of frogs, there's uh, uh, unprecedented hailstorms, etc. And Phyllis and I began looking at these plagues in a quite different way as ecological disasters brought on by an arrogant, stubborn, and hard-hearted ruler. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, what happened in the Gulf of Mexico a year ago, beginning, in fact, almost exactly a year ago, April the 20th, when that oil well exploded and poisoned big hunks of the Gulf, ruining both ecological and economic reality around the Gulf and depriving people of their jobs, depriving fish and birds and so on of their lives, that was a plague. And it was a plague brought on by an arrogant, hard-hearted, stubborn corporation, BP, and its allies in the U.S. government. We have also learned to look at what needs to be done to prevent and to go beyond that kind of disaster and that kind of power run amok, which is what Pharaoh really, really was. I mean, there, is, it, there are uses that power has in the world, but power gone crazy, gone addicted to having power is a major disaster. And the story of Exodus and wilderness is a story of what to do when the powerful become addicted to their own power. Aside from big oil, which you just mentioned, who are some of today's pharaohs? Uh, big coal and many of the great global reach banks, mm-hmm. which have funded those kinds of disasters. And in Japan, for example, um, it w- it's more and more clear that the private companies connected with General Electric, uh, a company in the U.S., right, which built those nuclear reactors uh, in Fukushima, uh, did not pay attention to warnings that they were unsafe, that they were not set up in such a way as to be able to cope with a big earthquake and with a tsunami, that they ignored it. They ignored it because they could make more money by ignoring it. Result, massive disaster. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of top-down like a pyramid. I mean, that's, that's the reason a pyramid is shaped the way it was. It was put up by people whose power was from the top down and saw themselves at the peak, the, the pinnacle of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason that that kind of power gets out of control and creates disaster. Tell pharaohs to let my people go. Let my people go.
Very interesting. That was Rabbi Arthur Waskow. And if you want to find out more about him, you can go to his website, the shalomcenter.org, where you can also buy the new book that he's published with his wife, Rabbi Phyllis Berman, called Freedom Journeys, The Tale of Exodus and Wilderness Across Millennia. And if you want information about the medium is the matzah or how to get tickets for Rabbi Waskow's event on April 24th, just go to shtetlmontreal.com in the What's New section and find out uh, about all types of things that are happening in Montreal. But in particular, you can find out about how to get tickets to all the events in the medium is the matzah. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break before we close out to hear an ad, and then we'll be back on Shtetl on the Shortwave on CKUT. An evening with New York Times best-selling author David Sedaris. Live at the Place des Arts, Théâtre Maisonneuve, May 4th. I might reinvent myself to strangers, but to this day, as far as my family is concerned, I'm still the one most likely to set your house on fire. Get tickets now at laplacedesarts.com or charge by phone, 866-842-2112. I mean, in terms of show business, you can't get any lazier than me. I mean, I read out loud. New release, Squirrel Seeks Chipmunk in stores now. Thank you very much for coming. Produced by AEG Live. Hello, this is Rabbi Gershom Sizomu, the spiritual leader of the Abaydaya congregation in Uganda. You are here live on Stato on the short web. So we're coming to the end of Shtetl on the Shortwave today. It's been a really special show. I really, really liked the imagery that Rabbi Waskow brought up when he was talking about that midrash, uh, about that one person who had to go into the Red Sea up to his nose in water before God would part the waters for everyone else to go through. Somebody who had to really take a risk and have faith and uh, and really believe and take action. It's a very powerful, powerful image. And uh, I, I so appreciated Rabbi Waskow taking the time to talk with me yesterday and also Melissa Schiff for uh, her participation in Shtetl on the Shortwave and also for uh, the installation that she's going to be working to build here in Montreal. It's a lot of work, but I know it's going to be very worth it. So we're going to go out, of course, with a last song by so-called from the so-called Seder. It's an old album, but I think it's a classic, a classic in Jewish music and in Montreal music. It's it's really something to be proud of. And I myself already have a ticket to go see him at the Medium is the Matzah. So I hope other people will join me there and are prepared to take off their shoes to walk through that narrow passageway that Melissa is going to be building, uh, all made of matzah. Um, so we're going to go out with a song called Let My People Go. It's featuring Katie Moore and Taya. And thank you so much for tuning in to Shtetl on the Shortwave. I look forward to seeing you here back in two weeks. We're not going to be focusing particularly on Passover in two weeks, but a little bit more on some of the very poignant and meaningful liberation struggles that are happening right now that are so 
central to the Passover story, in particular, uh, what's been happening in Egypt and in other countries like Yemen and Libya. So tune in in two weeks and have a great, great, great spring. So music? Uh, I make I make hip hop music. Don't hold it. I'm sorry. That's and I'm doing a, a, a hip hop seder. <laughs> Where are you going to present it? Nowhere. I'll, <laughs> I'll release it. Send up to 135th Street in Harlem. See how well it goes. <laughs> Let my people go. 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 Wishes. And what do you say? 